New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Oftentimes, the death of someone we love shifts reality as we have known it and brings forth an opening just wide enough for us to begin seeking a deeper truth, a multidimensional one, and this inquiry can take us closer to a more expansive understanding of our own timeless consciousness. It's said that the next frontier is that of the exploration of consciousness and that the material world may reflect only small portions of the universe. Our guest today has a way of putting us in direct contact with that multidimensional universe, one in which we can meet with those who have passed on, and that is what we'll be exploring today with our guest, Christina Rasmussen. Christina Rasmussen is an internationally recognized grief educator and founder of Life Reentry Institute. She's helped countless people break out of what she coined as the waiting room of grief to rebuild their lives through her life reentry model. She's the author of Second Firsts Live, Laugh, and Love Again, and Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. Join us for the next hour as we explore the science of life after death and how to contact those who have passed on with our guest, Christina Rasmussen. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Christina, welcome. So good to be here, Justine. Thank you. It's good to have you. First, I'd love for you to to say something about the beginnings of your whole research, like where you came from and, and how you got into this whole domain of looking to speak to those who have passed on. Um, and what a great question. And I have to start by saying I was so afraid of this world. When my husband died in 2006, even before his passing, um, he had stage four colon cancer for a long time. And we had some serious conversations about his passing and some fun ones. And in the, in the really fun ones, I said to him, don't come scaring me afterwards. Don't make any sounds. Don't, make any, don't, don't uh, turn on and off the lights. I am really scared. And um, 
many of those things did happen after he passed. And I was so petrified of the signs from the beyond that I would sleep with the lights on, the television on for months afterwards. Our girls at the time were only four and six years old. And I remember putting them to bed and then just going to my own room and kind of hoping and praying that no, but nothing would startle me. Um, if you had told me then that I would write a book to explore that frontier, I would have laughed and I would have said, no way. Things took place afterwards and my number one priority was to actually find my way back to living. I was so devastated um, after his loss that I actually didn't think I would make it. Um, and I had these two little girls to take care of and bring food and, and water and have health insurance and pay the bills. So I went and worked for the corporate world for a while. And as the years went by there, I knew that I had to, I had to find my way to the work. You see, prior to this, I used to be a grief counselor. I studied, I studied the Elizabeth Kobler-Ross model, the stages of bereavement. That was my thesis. I studied in the UK. Um, and, and once I got myself to a really good place, once I re-entered, as I, as I say, this is the word after loss, once I started feeling fully alive and living an incredible life, there was one question that remained. What happens? What happened? You grew up in Greece, right? Correct. And in a very kind of community that acknowledged the sacredness of life or spirituality. They were very traditional, um, actually. They were very um, religious, um, very much about God. And uh, I, was, I am a Greek Orthodox. So there was only one way to believe um, in the afterlife. And that was that when we die, we go to heaven and we don't have access to that world until we die and then we can reunite. And there was no other version of that. And I have to be honest with you and everyone who's listening and say that I couldn't quite believe that uh, at the time. I really found it limiting uh, for me. When he died, I saw him here one moment and gone the next. And when you're gone, when you see death, and maybe I was so young that it really shook me to my core. When you see death so, so closely and someone is really, I mean, I say this and there's millions of people who have seen other people die and, and there's me having my own experience and I couldn't understand how the world didn't want to know more and understand this more. And that is the question that stayed and stayed and, and stayed. He, and you became very interested also in neuroscience oh, yes. and, and yes. what this is all about and reality yes. and, and how it all kind of fits. And you discovered something that you've given a title to it. Mm -hmm. You're calling it the temple world. Yes. So f first I did a lot of research and I was doing it just for myself. I wanted to know. And there were, at the time when I started reading and researching, I wasn't thinking about me writing a book about this. This was for me. And I wanted to understand one of the very first books I read, which I highly recommend to our readers, was The Holographic Universe. With one, Michael Talbot. One of my favorite books in the whole entire universe. And it's a, it's a dense book. I mean, you have to read it two or three times to get at least 
<laughs> to get everything you need to get from this book. People can access our interview with Michael Talbot, who has now passed on. You've spoken and, to Michael? Yes, oh. uh, on our website. You can look it up. And his idea of the holographic universe. universe. So, so say something about what that means. Yeah, so I, I, first of all, I couldn't even understand it myself. And, and I mean, what is it? what does it mean that this experience here, this reality is not real? What does it mean when someone says that this is just an illusion? What does it mean when someone says this is a projection from a deeper reality, from a reality that is non-local, from a reality that is in another dimension? Does it mean that we're not here right now? And, and when I heard this, and then I read another favorite book, I do this in all of my interviews, sure, we're here to, to talk about my book, but my book would not have been here without all those books. Another book is Biocentrism by Robert Lanza and Beyond Biocentrism by the same author. And he said, we die in someone else's reality and not in ours. And then I heard that. And then I you know, thought about the holographic universe. And then I said to myself, it is the hologram. It is someone's hologram that we can't see anymore that is gone. You know, it, I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. And you say in your book, you use the phrase um, that they have died in our reality, but in their reality, they <laughs> haven't died at all. And, and Justine, I mean, just think about that. I could just get up and start dancing right now and, and also cry at the same time because imagine if that is true, Imagine that everything that we're learning about how this reality is made of is true and accurate, then our people haven't gone anywhere. We have just not, we're no longer able to see them in the way our brain can see and the way that our eyes can convert light to an image. So in other words, we, for the most part, live in a three-dimensional, and you. this is throughout mm -hmm. your book, yes. three-dimensional reality. And yes. that dimension is, is material dimension, yes. what we can see, taste, feel, hear, touch. Yes. That's because that's what it seems. That's the way our brain processes right. it. And the way th what, it, what the brain gives us is this reality, and that's all we can see. But there is a lot of light that we cannot see, and a lot of sound that we cannot hear. There's a lot that we are not aware of at all. So you also mentioned in the scientific world, mm -hmm. they talk about um, vibrations and like matter. And this is also mentioned in yes. your book and many scientists, matter has a very slow yes, vibration. It's a different vibration. Therefore, we, we can see it. Yeah. And, and there are other energies that the universe is full of energy. Yes. is moving really fast. And, yes. you know, I think of it as an, I have an analogy. Tell me. Okay, here's my yes. analogy. If you've ever flown, like, in a smaller plane. Yes, I so used to fly planes. Okay, actually. all right, yes. so you're up in a plane, yes. and the propeller is going. Yes. And it starts It starts off slowly when it starts yes. putt, 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 and you see it turning, turning, and pretty soon it picks up speed, and it gets yes. faster and faster. And finally, it's up to speed enough where you can take off. And the propeller disappears. Yeah. 
you actually see what is beyond the propeller, and you don't even see it anymore because it's moving so fast. fast. Yes. And that's, that's the analogy yeah. I'm using. I love it. You know, it, doesn't it make sense yeah, that, okay, yeah. energy moves so fast yes. that we, we think it's not there, yeah. but it's actually moving us through space. And to think about this and say, and, and just to, to, to make this as personal as possible and say, my husband is here and I am no longer talking to him because I don't think I can. How sad is that? How, how upsetting is that? That they want, that he would want that, but I think that I can, uh, that he's not around. Therefore, I can't speak to him. Um, and that changed everything. And that sadness that, um, that millions of people are seeking to receive messages and signs from the world beyond, but we don't seek to go to them was the part that was different for me. And, and everyone's like, oh... Have you, have you had any, any signs? Uh, did you see any coins on the ground? Did you see the birds flying and hitting your, your windows? Uh, did the lights come on and off? And what about us going to them? What would that look like? What would that be like? And what if I could take what I've learned and make the invisible visible? What if I could label it? What if I could use the science to guide me into labeling a location in the low, non-local reality? And that's what the temple world is. We'll, we'll go into that further in just a moment. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Christina Rasmussen. She's the author of where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. And if you want to be in touch with her, you can go to her website, ChristinaRasmussen.com. And she spells her last name R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, ChristinaRasmussen.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Christina Rasmussen. She's the author of Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. So, Christina, I'd love to get into some of the what you call temple mm -hmm. journeys. And you have a, a whole series of them in your book that help us step by step to start to tune in to this, this other universe that's available to us. So, first of all, when I say that 
when I was putting all the different steps of this together, it was fascinating to me because it was almost as if it wasn't me doing it. There was a part of me that was resisting it because I was afraid to give birth to this book. What would it mean to my career? What would it mean to the life reentry work that I've done to to the to the book, the prior book? I believe in a in life after loss um, that is created by the brain, and that we are able to reenter into a new identity and new life. And we have been helping thousands of people with this work, and now here I am with a completely new body of work that taps into the spiritual element of our reentry which the life reentry model did not do that. And what if people run away from me? What, what, if, what if they think I'm crazy? Um, but nothing could have stopped this book from being created. And when the temple world and the temple journeys started to appear, and I started to teach it in study groups and test each step just to see, is it just me that's experiencing so before yes. you even wrote Go the there. book, yes. you you really got a group of people and you oh, tested two two different study okay. groups. Okay, um, and the first one was really before it was around the proposal time um, when when I knew I had, we sold the book, and I said now I'm going to test it, and if if the testing doesn't work, forget about it. I'm not going to write a book that doesn't work and it's not real, and. Justine, and you guys can't see me, I'm smiling because I remember the first class, there were 49 individuals that joined, and I have goosebumps, and I remember taking them into the first journey. And the first journey, for everyone who doesn't know the book yet, is uh, I'm asking the brain, so the brain, imagine the brain uh, is an old engine that wants to keep you safe inside a reality that it knows really well, and it wants to repeat your actions and your habits daily so it doesn't have to think of anything new. So this is what we carry with us every day. That's how it thinks it keeps you safe. Exactly. The moment we say to the brain, take me somewhere new, the brain is like, no, you need to be afraid of this place. In my, in my prior work, the life reentry work, I, I called the fear center of the brain the survivor self, and I talk about this in the book. So I knew that our, we had to make our brain our friend instead of our enemy because we were asking for the brain for a really large task. So you can't just override it and say, oh, never mind that. You've Forget about I believe and <laughs> let me go. And there are some people who actually are able to bypass that first step and they don't need it. And I have seen it now with all these readers that are reading um, – Let's say we have about 8,000 8, people who have gotten the book, and we have about close to 1,000 readers inside this private group right now, and it's growing every day. Mm -hmm. um, so some can bypass it, but most of us. Most cannot. And, and so there's, there's one group of people that can go in easily and experience it. But before I go there, I want to say that um, in that first class, I literally closed my eyes and I said, I'm going to take everyone. And the first step had to be very simple and very easy. And I wasn't asking for the individual to experience much of anything. I said, we're going to go through an opening that could look like a doorway. And at the first time I thought I was actually guiding them. I thought this was more of a guided meditation. And I gave them, because I did not that was my door that I was seeing. I told them, you're going to see a crystal door. 
And then you're going to go through that door and onto the other side, and, you, and you're going to notice the change in vibration. And you're going to do all of this with your eyes closed, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. So I took them there and back. They opened their eyes, and I said to them, raise your hands, what, what, what happened? Every single person said, Christina, I'm sorry, but my door wasn't crystal. And none of your description of the door matched mine. And I was like, oh my God, everyone has their own opening, their own version of what the opening looks like. And the second thing was, and Christina, I know we were not supposed to see our loved ones yet, but I saw mine. That was shocking to me at the time because I was expecting people to see them deeper because we were going deeper and deeper in every step that we needed to leave behind a lot of things for us to actually allow for that to happen. And of course, not everyone saw, but the, the ones that did, they were like, they were right there. They were sitting just far away and they were looking at me and the energy changed. And, and the other thing that everyone said was that joy, the joy they felt when they went through peace and calm. It was as if we were entering a place that was vibrating at such a higher level. And all of those people, I have to also say, were very scientific in nature. These people came to this class because they did my brain science class, the life entry class, and they trusted me. So I didn't have audience that believed in those things, that connected with it beyond all the time. This was their first experience with anything like this. So what you're saying is that the journeys that you mm -hmm. suggest mm -hmm. in your book, they're very open-ended as far as the individual yes. visualizations. They're not you're guided. You're not trying no. to guide them in any certain way. You're just giving them these little Frame. cues. So let's say this, let's say the invisible world and, and this beautiful um, world that we cannot see um, in order for the brain to, to be able to have something to understand, I gave it a slight frame. So it wasn't hanging in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. And then consciousness takes over. Takes over. Interesting. <laughs> now, one of the big things yes. that, that you do for the brain yeah. that I just find amazing and the stories in the book yes. are just amazing yeah. to me. One of the things that you guide us to is to look for an object, or an object will appear. Yes. And then that object, whatever it is, actually will appear in our, our 3D, yes. our, our material, in our everyday life. So tell us some of those stories, because how does that help us, our brain? What does it do for our brain and our confidence? Mm -hmm. And what... What are some of yes. the experiences? Please. And I'm smiling so much, by the way, everyone, because that was another very scary, bold step on my behalf. Um, I, I said to everyone, I said, now we're really going to find out if this world is connected to this one. And we're really going to know if this is for real. Choose an op when you're there, when you're inside your journeys, um, there's a specific step that we go through. And then I ask everyone, just look around you and whatever it is that appears. It could be the most weird thing. It could be something that the more, the more weird, the better, because then we know the brain's not creating it. And one of the things that the survivor self, the fear center will say, this is what's happening here for you is not real. You're creating it for yourself. And that's not true because there are many people who can't even enter. So if, if this was just imagination, everyone would be able to just go in and create whatever they wanted. So anyway, the object that you see there 
For me, it was actually one of my very first ones was a, a yellow rubber ducky. And it was fascinating because I came back. So everyone came back with their objects, you know, different, different things. And, um, and Christina and I would say, do you really think we're going to find this here in our world? I said, and don't look for it, I said. You just, you, the, the best way for your brain to believe, to really find the proof that this is actually for real, is that it just finds it by itself. In the third dimension, so the rubber ducky day three showed up for me in a, in a document that was always there, but I never saw it. All of a sudden, there's a rubber ducky. So I mentioned it to the class. And then what happened next, and for the weeks following, everywhere everyone went found yellow rubber duckies. <laughs> so the whole group did. Because we were actually, we, this was such an important, we had bonded that, that group, uh, and it was from all over the world, UK, I mean, different countries. We bonded so much that our collective consciousness was, we were connected. So our objects started to like cross over. And in the end of that first study group, I sent everyone a, a silver uh, necklace of a, of a rubber ducky <sighs> to remind them of the magic of the universe. Yeah. And of course, people's objects, people are finding their objects. There was just, was it? Last night or this morning, a woman's object was, I don't remember, it was a very weird thing that I've never heard of, actually, maybe because I'm Greek, I never heard of this word. But anyway, says, Christina, I found my object. It was this, it was like this, some musical instrument of some sort. And said, I was at the cashier at Target or something like that. And the guy's arm had it as a tattoo, the cashier, on their arm. <laughs> and it, it can show up in the most unexpected ways and when it does what happens to the brain is like oh okay so that world it belongs. sort of relaxes the yes, brain sort of relaxes to, oh well oh. maybe this is okay yeah and i and believing the number one um thing that uh, journeyers as i call them you know must get to is a is a belief that this is real and they have to fight their brains um, constant um, explanation of the temple world as something that we just make up when that is absolutely not true because of the of the things that take place there and the connections. A woman this morning just told me um, that there were 200 uh, people in her temple world that she had never seen before. And her husband was trying to get through, but because of the other 200 people, she couldn't see him, but she was just completely blown away by the amount of people that were there that she didn't know. And she wished they would find their way to their people. So and someone else wrote to me a couple of days ago, and this is just happening. I mean, this, there's so many stories that they said that um, she went, she tried to go through the doorway and there was a little girl that greeted her and went on and showed her all of her past life as in a movie. And she wrote to me to say, Christina, I went into... To, to, to see my loved one. And instead, I found this little girl who showed me my life up to this point. What happened? And the good news is that every journey is so unique and so different. And, and the more journeyers and the more readers and the more people finding their way there, the more we realize that this is, this is not a guided meditation. This is not a visualization. This is a, a, framework, a framework that allows the invisible world to slightly be seen so we can trust enough 
and for our brain to let go of this reality and for consciousness to grab us and show the expansive nature of our existence. So we'll talk more about this multidimensional yes. universe, yes. that it's more than what, what appears to the eye. Uh, I'm here with Christina Rasmussen. She is the author of Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. And again, if, if you'd like to be in touch with the work of Christina, you can go to her website, Christina Rasmussen. Com, and she spells her last name R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, ChristinaRasmussen.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Christina Rasmussen. She's a grief educator and founder of Life Reentry Institute and the author of Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. Christina, I wanted to ask you, one of the things that you point out in your book, you talk about the entangled universe and that really struck me about how when we have a loved one, let's say, mm -hmm. a, a spouse or a parent or a brother or a sibling or whatever, a friend, yes. whatever it is, that in, in our three-dimensional life, our lives get entangled. We, we have experiences Forever. together. We, we walk through life together in some way, and we're entangled. Yes. And there's something, I, I know Einstein has called it spooky uh, action. action at a distance, yes. where things, once they're entangled, they always remain entangled. Yes. So I'd love for you to say something about, all right, after they've passed, mm -hmm. what's to keep them from... Spooky distance, <laughs> spooky action at a distance that they're still entangled. So, and that's the thing at the entanglement theory, and and you know Einstein's way of, and he didn't like it actually. He did not like that at all. Einstein, no, he, he he was troubled, befuddled by it. Yes. <laughs> he was like, no, that can't be true, but it he is. He knew it happened, yes. but he couldn't explain it. He couldn't it. explain it. But so we are entangled. So. Just in you and I right now are entangling our our and that's why I always say you know even outside of this book and and and, and the concept of this book is that make sure you're entangled with people you like. So let me just pause mm -hmm. for a moment and say something about this this scientific theory and mm -hmm. what they've discovered, and they discover particles once they are connected, even if they are separated by great great millions distance, of, yes. millions of miles. Yes. If, if they change, let's say, the direction of one particle, the other particle mysteriously changes simultaneously despite any distance between them. And we can't see the entanglement. 
We, we can't, can't see it. And that's the thing. Just because we can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. So when our loved one is their holograph, I'm going to use some, I, w- I want us to talk about this, you know, in, in, in these terms. When our, lo- instead of saying died or passed away, when their um, hologram is no longer here, we are still entangled and connected in a deeper reality, in a non-local way. So in this reality, we, it, it appears that we're no longer together. But in the reality from which we are projecting from, we are. And we have always been. And, and in that reality, there is no time and space. Life is not the way it appears here. And we are forever together, forever together. I used to say this to my girls every night. Um, we are entangled whether we like it or not. So when you, when you say like their hologram, mm-hmm. we're all like energetic we're light. beings. We're vibrating we're light. We're vibrating yes. lights. We're all that. If we yes. could really see ourselves yes. as we truly are. This is not real. This, that, I mean, you yeah. look like uh, you have dark hair yes. and you have dark yes. eyes and a great smile. Yeah, and we and have a, a table here. Table, and we, right. Yeah. But, but actually, it's all just vibrating energy. I call it vibrating strings of light. String theory, like the, we are like membranes that are just vibrating in light. That's all we are. So the so when we project from that deeper reality, and the projection creates this holographic universe, then we think that's real. We think this is the only reality. The brain, the projection, the. The, the brain is the, is, is the machine that converts everything, the light, to the hologram. It's saying, this is where you live. This is where you are. You're not entangled to anything else. Look, there's no cords. There's no strings. There's, you're not a string. You are a person. And this is what you need to believe in. And you need to have this experience here. And this is what I say. I do believe we're supposed to experience life here. Yes. And I, and I always say to people, People say, I don't want to come back from the temple journeys. I want to stay there for longer. <laughs> it feels so good to be here. It's, it takes me away from everything. I'm like, please come back. <laughs> we're supposed to come back. And, and even when I say we go there and come back, we're not really going anywhere. I am fooling the, ble- the brain to believe that we're leaving this location and we're going somewhere else. We're going nowhere. We're just closing our eyes and we are seeing with our eyes closed I had a dream, Justine, um, when I was teaching my first study group, the 49 people um, from all over the world, and I, I was trying to explain to them how they need to see. Um, I had a dream that night, the night before the class, the classes were every, every Tuesday night. On Monday night, I had a dream that said, you need to teach them, you need to give them these instructions about how they need to see. When they close their eyes, Tell them not to see through their eyelids. They need to look within. They need to take the seeing within. And when you do that, something happens in the way you feel as well. And, and I don't think that's in the book, but it was a dream that gave me step-by-step instructions on how to tell people how to see the temple journeys, how to. And when we started in, that, in, the, in the Facebook group telling people, who couldn't see how to change their way of seeing, they started to experience all of a sudden. So we are, we are being taught on how to see the invisible world by labeling a little bit, by helping the brain let go, 
to get us to the edge of the third dimension so we can move beyond it. By, by educating the brain through the theory of all of our discoveries and by giving the reader their own experience so they can believe. So going back to what we were talking about earlier, the entanglements yes. that we have with those, especially those we love. Yeah. And, and, and those we don't love as well. <laughs> we okay. are, I'm sorry, we are entangled with those too because there's no... Um, there's no like uh, separation. Like if you're, if you have connected with someone, you're forever connected. I wrote a, uh, an article on entanglement about divorce, <laughs> and that you know, even after a divorce, you're entangled in so many ways with the person you left. So, you know? so, Christina, let's <laughs> yes. suppose that. Um, we're divorced, yes. and maybe it wasn't a really yes. e easy divorce, yeah. and and that person has passed on. Yes. I know you don't yes. say died because yes. they the they hologram have, is gone. Yes, know, yeah. uh, their hologram is gone. gone. They're, they're, and and then we meet them mm -hmm. on one of these journeys. Yes. Is there something we can learn from them? Is there? Have you found oh. that yes. people have contact and have learned some things? Yes, uh, one of the things that I have seen as a theme is that all of them are appearing with love and joy. There is no. There's no conflict. There's no judgment. As a matter of fact, they are encouraging uh, us to take this journey. And whether you, um, you're divorced, whether you're in good terms with someone who passed, there was one woman in one of my uh, groups that um, she said that every time she tries to go into the doorway, uh, there's a person she used to know that passed, stands in front and won't let her in. And I said, I responded to that message and I said to her, um, did something happen between the two of you when this person was alive? And she said, as a matter of fact, it did. Is there, and I said to her, is there something you need to say as you're entering the doorway to him that will release and heal him too as well as you? And she said, yes. And I don't know what happened. She went off to do this. But another thing I learned from those who have passed or are no longer here in this hologram Every time I did an interview on the radio, um, all of their technology was going. Actually, it's, I don't know if it's going to happen here, but it, it happens a lot. And I remember talking to, to Beth and saying, she's like, ask them what's going on. And I went in there and I said, what's the excitement? Trust me, I am going to get this message out. We are going to get this book to people. Give me the time I need. And, and they said to me in this, in this non-spoken form that... For the, even me saying this, trust me, I, I did not expect any of this, that this, this, this connection is not just for the people who are alive. It is for them as well. So it works both ways. Because they're entangled with us yes. as well as we are entangled with them. So there's a healing going on both ways. But just in both ways. And I was like, and there's me si uh, sitting th here thinking, I write books for the people who are alive to help them with their life. This was for those who have passed as well. This, this was necessary for them. And that was a lesson for me as well. Like I was told this. I did not expect it. And this happened, what, a, a month ago when we started all the interviews and all of their, every interview was going crazy. They knew it. Um, their machines were on and off. And I had to go in and say, relax, we got this. We're entangled, but 
but we're we're gonna get this book to to the person you need them to get it to, you know. That just reminds me that at like meeting these people and and we we get to make choices in our lives, and you really uh, suggest that. We all have many choice points in our lives mm-hmm. that we might not even be aware of. What advice yeah. do you have for us in that instance? So there's a as as we were going into our journey as the test groups were taking place, it was very clear that after the first few connections took place, Justine, and after the first interaction communication took place, it was almost as if people here, my students were interested in their own life more than just connecting with their loved one. So when we started discussing um, the multiverse, the observer effect, which is part, part of the book, how we can change the direction, the course of our life by using that observer effect and by jumping from one, for lack of a better word, universe one timeline of existence to another by just observing it. The book takes, as, as Lee McDuggard said, uh, there's a plot twist halfway through the book. And we take those we've lost with us on that journey if, they want, if we want them uh, there, and they are there to be a part of our creating a new life for ourselves. And creating the third dimensional life from the non-local reality of the world beyond this one is much easier than creating it from the third dimension because we don't have time to deal with when we are beyond the third dimension. Okay, let's see. Let's unpack yes. that just a bit. And I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with... Christina Rasmussen, and she is a recognized grief educator, founder of the Life Reentry Institute. She's the author of several books. Uh, her first book is called Second First, and uh, the subtitle is Live, Laugh, and Love Again. And her most recent book is Where Did You Go? A Life Changing Journey to connect with those we've lost. And we're actually talking about the science of life after death or after Mm -hmm. passing and how to contact these people. And I want to remind our listeners, I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and you're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Christina Rasmussen, and she's the author of Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. And Christina, in the last segment, you really made a huge phrase, and I wanted to have you unpack it. So if you can say it once more for us again. When we create in the non visible world, in the world beyond this one, outside of the third dimension, in the temple world, in the temple journeys, when we observe a new reality there, and we are in a higher vibration, and we are also filled with joy and peace, because they are the emotions that we feel when we're there, and we are in this calming experience, and we are observing a new reality for ourselves, we create in the third dimension, this new reality much faster than if we had created with 10 new habits and five new steps and let's walk to, <laughs> to work instead of taking the bus so I can lose the extra pounds and the way that we think we are creating in the third dimension in one day, Justine. I believe when we're no longer here, people will realize that actually creating a reality it's better done with our eyes closed and with using the observer effect. There is no objective reality. There is only subjective reality. And we need to use this ability that we are born with and observe in what I call in the book our version of the miraculous universe. And we are not visualizing this. And when we go to the temple of the universes inside the book, I ask people to collapse their average reality, the reality that's just going to keep happening because we are in this kind of infinite loop of actions and habits that are in a default setting. I love brain science so much because I know that it's not our fault when we're not uh, progressing in our life. It's just the brain. Um, we collapse the average reality, and then we also collapse the reality that uh, I call the survivor reality, the fear center-based, you know, will I get sick? Will I die alone? Am I never going to find anyone? Will I lose all our money? All those fear-based beliefs, we collapse those, and then we are open to observing a reality that is made of miracles. And what we call in this reality miracles are not miracles in the deeper reality, they're just because everything is entangled, everything is connected. Synchronicity is a regular daily thing. You're outside of time and space, and you can see a new life for yourself without having to wait three or four years for it to get here. You can see it, and you can bring it back with you just like you did with the object exercise. Okay, so let's, let's unpack that yes. even further, because... You mentioned uh, uh, that, all right, there are many universes. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are, Infinite. let's talk about three main ones. Yes. One, you mentioned, that's a status quo one. The one that we have been living. Yes, that's the regular. The, yes. the, the 3D one that we're, we're living. Yes. The second one is what you call fear the survivor, yes. fear-based yes. one, that survivor one yes. that's, that projects into the future. Oh, what if all yes. this stuff happens? Yes. And the third one is this more mysterious miraculous. And, and, and miraculous. Yes. And, and then you say collapse them. So let's talk about collapsing. Mm -hmm. And this is a sign. You're, you're actually using this in a scientific way. Mm -hmm. You're yes. using it's not 
not just collapsing it uh, mentally. It's a scientific fact that this has to do with particles mm-hmm. and waves, yes. that when the observer mm-hmm. observes something, it actually stops it in time and it makes it real. real. Just like the object. So just, we, like we're, the, just like and the object is small. The object is also pre, was preparing everyone for that next step. If we can believe, and I have goosebumps when I say this, because, because how is it possible, Justine, that the world doesn't want to live like this when we have this ability? When we observe a reality, we actually observe it into creation, into the third dimension. When we are observing the worries and the fears, that's what comes. That is what is created in our world. When we start to observe and feel, the feeling part is also very important because we're not just observing. So, And then the, the fear center and the survivor self says, okay, you can observe this new reality as much as you want, but you know it's never going to happen. We need to really not observe the projections of those realities, we have an infinite amount of possibilities and potentials in our life. You know, someone said to me in my class uh, a few days ago, Christina, in a sense, how dare you speak with such certainty? How dare you speak with such conviction? (laughs) And I said, oh, oh, yes, I have certainty about this. And as a matter of fact, I'm full of passion to make sure that everyone understands this so they can use it in their life and remove the uh, projections and the holograms of their life that, that they don't need to have. We don't need to have grief forever in our lives. We don't need to have fear and pain. We can experience miracles and we can have joy, but we have to learn to create a projection of a hologram by observing the version of reality that is not based on fear or on default setting. So I'm just reminding our listeners, and you've heard this, if you listen to New Dimensions for a while, you've heard this. Like, let's suppose, um, Dean Radin, uh, in his experiments of the double-slit experiments of waves and particles, and how the observer will change the wave into a particle just by the mere sense of observing it. So you're saying that we can collapse and turn back into that wave vibratory system that's moving and and opening up new ways of being. Uh, We can be in that vibratory state rather than, than... holding something in place. And, by- we, and we're holding it, right? And, and if, if I'm observing a reality, a hologram, and to use all the terms of the book, you know, I'm observing my third dimensional reality as in this painful experience that I can't pay my bills, that I can't take care of my girls. If I was observing that reality forever, I would have stayed in that state for the rest of my life. And millions of people do. Millions of people and go and you do stay. have to figure out your bills yeah. and you do have to have a roof over your head. Yes, you do. But you have to find, if, if we can start helping our um, ability of observation to shift from the worry to the paying of the bill and seeing ourselves in a reality that we check, 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 we're just paying all of our bills or whatever it is that we want to create. This is not, you know, people call it the law of attraction. It is the observer effect. And 
And I would go as far as to say, and, and I've, I've said this in interviews, if you were to take something, if there was one thing to take from this book, just take one. And you can't take everything, right? And all the amazing lessons and experiences and connections. I would take the observer effect with me. I would give myself the observer effect ability because you can change everything about your life. My life has changed because of this. So one of the things I know that you mention over and over mm -hmm. again in your book and in any of these journeys mm -hmm. is that when you are in this temple world, mm -hmm. yes. you call it, yes. that, that, that other vibratory yes. universe, source, yep. source, that notice everything mm -hmm. Pay attention yes. to the details and bring them back. back. Write them down mm -hmm. after you come out of that journey. And that's the key because when you are going to pay the bills, mm -hmm. then you can bring something back from that mm -hmm. universe that's going to help guide you oh my gosh. to yes. a, a clue as to what the next yes. steps might be. And I'm so glad you're mentioning this because one of the things that we must mention in our time together is the wisdom and the intelligence of the world beyond this one. I got chills just saying that because people say it's like, I knew the truth when I walked in there. You will find yourself surrounded by wisdom and intelligence. It's almost like you go into your ability to see the future, to see the past, to see yourself. And as you go further in the book, there's a mirror that I've placed in there. I placed the mirror in there for different reason, completely different reason, And then when the study groups came, it was used very differently. And I had to go with that because that's how people experience the mirror. It expanded your understanding. It expanded. I mean, my study groups, this book would not have, the temple journeys, the steps wouldn't have been there if I, they hadn't experienced it. They would have, I couldn't just write about my own experience. And when you look in the mirror, people have seen themselves younger ages. I mean, Justine, just... Every story, completely mind-blowing. Um, different ages, different looks, different clothing, different timelines, lifetimes, whatever you want to call it. And when you see yourself through the many versions of that mirror, you have an understanding of your soul in ways that nothing on this earth can give you. Well, I, I just want to uh, close out by just uh, telling our listeners, I, I took uh, a couple of journeys before I did this interview yes. just to, to kind of test it out for myself. And I really was amazed. Yeah. I was amazed because, and it wasn't like a guided meditation at all. It was within my own consciousness yes. that, it was, that I inhabited yes. this other place. And my father and little brother have been gone From my, from my world since yeah. 1955. And the first journey I took was there they were. It was just wonderful. So I just want to leave our listeners with that. And, and we've run out of time. I just thank you so much, Christina, for being with us today on New Dimensions. Justin, this was unbelievably wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I've been speaking with Christina Rasmussen. She's the author of Where Did You Go?, a life-changing journey to connect with those we've lost. Her website is christinarasmussen.com. She spells her last name R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, christinarasmussen.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions.
This is program number 3666. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.